Now, what do you think you're doing? Hmm? You want to throw your garbage? Throw it in a goddamn trash basket. Do you have more important things to do? Yeah. But I'm not doing them right now. We understand each other. Okay, pal, why the Mahaska? Why are you packing the gun? I'm a treasury officer. All right. Just remember what we talked about now. Hey. Wait a minute. What the hell kind of police you have in this goddamn city? Huh? What do they teach you? You just turned your back on an armed man. You're a treasury officer. Yeah, how do you know that? I just told you I was. Who would claim to be that? Who was not? Hmm? What's your name and unit? It's right here. You got a beef? What is it? How did you know I had a gun? What do you want, a free lesson in police work? No. Are you OK, pal? I had a rough day on the job. Uh, are you going home now? I was about to. Well, then. You just fulfilled the first rule of law enforcement. Make sure when your shift is over, you go home alive. Here endeth the lesson. Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. That is The Untouchables, from 1987, directed by the legendary Brian De Palma. This isn't Carrie. This isn't Scarface. This is The Untouchables. And I thought, The Untouchables, after watching Shit Happens When You Party Naked, and they were talking about how cliche Scarface truly is, and how I said The Untouchables is the better film. With Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, Charles Martin Smith, Andy Garcia, and Robert De Niro. This is a legendary film. Screenplay by David David Mamet and Brian De Palma. Now we all know about Brian De Palma. Legendary director, films, The Untouchables. The Untouchables with a score by. Maestro himself, Mr. Inio Morricone. Now, The Untouchables has a history. It's a 1987 crime drama based off of the book of the same name from 1957. The Untouchables premiered on June 2nd, 1987 in New York. It was nominated for four Academy Awards when he shot a Connery Best Supporting Actor. Takes place during Prohibition. 
The historical accuracy. While the film is based on historic events, most of the film is inaccurate or fictional. The raid of the Canadian border never happened, and neither did the courthouse or the railway station shootouts. Ness didn't kill Needy. Needy committed suicide in 1943, 12 years after the trial, and Ness's unit had very little to do with Capone's final tax evasion conviction. So this is a wonderful fantasy film. Great cast. I talk about these films because, well, they're classics. Not everyone would agree. Some people would prefer Scarface, and that's fine. That's that's fine. But those who have seen The Untouchables, you know what I'm talking about. And Sean Connery's performance is legendary. Here he is. Welcome to Chicago. This town stinks like a whorehouse at low tide. Now, the first thing is, who can you trust? Why nobody. You... The cops, nobody. Because nobody wants you here. Nobody. Well, then why are you helping me? Because I swore to uphold the law. And if you believe that, I'll tell you another. Now, who can you trust? You can trust nobody. That's the source. Well, if I can trust nobody, where are we going to get help? Well, if you're afraid of getting a rotten apple, don't go to the barrel. Get it off the tree. Yeah. Treasury Department, how are you? We need a recruit for extended duty. Now, this man is to be seconded to the Treasury Department. We have the full cooperation of Chicago Barry, who is consistently the best shot of this class? Williamson and Stone. Good. Well, call them out for me, will you? But uh, one at a time. Right. Excuse me. Are either of the men married? No. Good. Williamson? You're married. I don't want any married men. All right. Stand easy, son. I want to ask you something. Why do you want to join the force? To protect and... and, To protect and serve. To protect and... Please don't search for the yearbook answer, huh? Just tell me what you think. Well, what I think? Yeah. I... You... Could help. Well... The force. You can help. The force. Huh? With crime. Thank you. There goes the next chief of police. Why do you want to join a force? Protect the property and seize the Oh, please don't waste my time with that bullshit. Where are you from, Stone? From the south side. Stone. George Stone. That's your name? What's your real name? That is my real name. Nah. What was it before you changed it? Giuseppe Petri. Jesus. I knew it. That's all you need, one thieving whop and the team. What's that you said? I said that you're a lying member of a no-good race. It's much better than you, you stinking Irish pig. Oh, I like him. 
Yeah, I like him too. You just joined the Treasury Department, son. Yeah, okay. Elliot Ness. With reports from stakeouts on the north and west side and surveillances of the main road. So that scene right there, interesting, yes, because what does Sean Connery's character Malone do? He provokes him just to see what, uh, how good a shot he is, but also how quick he can draw that gun in the exchange. You got Andy Garcia. I mean, I don't know if that was his first film, probably. Went on to do Godfather 3, Oscar nomination. Untouchables is a legendary film. And this is them assembling the team. What do you think? I think there's nothing like Bonneville. That's what I think. Now, are you ready to go to work? Where are we going? On a liquor ring. Need another man. Ness? It's very interesting. I found a financial disbursement pattern here which shows some irregular. You carry a badge? Yes. Carry a gun. Everybody knows where the booze is. The problem isn't finding it. The problem is who wants to cross the pond. Let's go. You better be damn sure, Malone. If you walk through this door now, you're walking into a world of trouble. And there's no turning back, you understand? Yes, I do. Good. Give me that action. legendary who died last year Sean Connery in the untouchables and who do you have playing Mr. Al Capone in this well you've got probably one of the greatest actors of his generation 
Mr. Robert De Niro. And when you have Robert De Niro in a film, and this is a supporting role, and he dominates this supporting role as Al Capone in The Untouchables. I also want to notate the musical score done by Mr. Ennio Morricone. We have no Mr. Capone. We have no Mr. Capone. I said... Something you want here? My friend was killed today. I don't care. You don't care. Hey, now he does. Come out here, Capone. You want to fight? You want to fight you and me right here? That's it. Come on. What's the matter? Are you afraid to come out from behind your men? You afraid to stand up for yourself? You want to do it now? No. You want to yeah. do it now? Come on, you king, son of a bitch. What? Easy. You talk to me like that in front of my son? Yeah. Fuck you and your family. Easy. Fuck. Easy. Easy. It's me. It's me. Not this way. Not this way. You know, fuck, you got nothing. You got a lot of talking to say. You're here because you got nothing. You got nothing in court. You don't got the bookkeeper. You got nothing. Nothing. And if you were a man, you would have done it now. You don't got a thing, you punk. That's Robert De Niro doing what he does best. There's so many moments in The Untouchables that I can't show you because it would ruin the film for you if you haven't watched it. But those of you who know about this film, who have experienced it, and yes, Sean Connery, like a great supporting actor, steals the show. There's so many moments. Yeah, you've got Kevin Costner, Andy Garcia, but Sean Connery steals the show. And Patricia Clarkson as Elliot Ness's wife. Mrs. Ness. There's a lot going on in this film. But the moments between Connery and Costner are magic. You said you wanted to know how to get Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. Now, do you want to do that? Are you ready to do that? I'm making you a deal. Do you want this deal? I have sworn to put this man away with any and all legal means at my disposal, and I will do so. Mr. Ness. Yes. 
Good. Because you just took one. And see, those moments between Costner and Connery are magical. And I thought, let's visit. There was also a close relationship between Malone, Sean Connery's character, and Stone, played by Andy Garcia. The Untouchables being in that one. Mm-hmm. Now, where you, the story goes, that you were being cast for a different character than the one that you played. I was approached to, to play or to consider playing Frank Nitti, who was the killer in the... Yeah. Capone's hitman, the guy who, gets thrown, who gets thrown off the yeah, roof of the yeah. building. Eventually. And when I read spoiler this, alert, right? Exactly. But the, the three people who haven't seen the film, That's right? Exactly. But I read the script and I, I was attracted to the part that I ended up playing, which was the young Italian kid in The Untouchables. You know, George Stone. George Stone. And obviously, I wanted to work with Connery. That was one of my childhood heroes. So I I lobbied immediately to say no. I, I had a kind of be firm and say I don't want to play that part I want to play the other part and kind of roll the dice and eventually I met with Brian and then I, I auditioned for George Stone and, and they, they gave me the part and what was it like with Connery? <laughs> it, was, it was the best Pretty, you know it, it, the dynamics that were in the movie kind of was the dynamics of you know we became all of us very close but the dynamic kind of stayed the same how so? In the sense that, you know, he was the, the older wise guy and he would always be jabbing at all of us. You and Costner and, 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 Mar- and Charlie and Martin Smith. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was my, it was my job as my character to, to kind of fight back. So yeah. Respectfully, but keep the jabs going. So that was kind of the dynamics. I, I, love, I love Sean Connery. I'll tell you a quick story. Please. Because it's, I've told this before, but it's very funny. Please. We were doing a scene where I'm answering a phone and he was off camera because he was supposed to be on the phone so i had to walk over there to answer the phone he was dressed in his golf gear ready to go play golf you know <laughs> sometimes he'd have his he'd do his close-ups you know from here up he was malone and from here down he had golf shoes on you know? <laughs> and uh and so i went over there and i answered the phone once and the palmer said no no let's cut you know we didn't see your face i said but the phone's over there and i'm over here why would i turn back Please, I want to see your face. So I do it again. And this went on a couple takes. And as I was coming back to do like the third take, Sean Connery says, said to me, says, come on, kid, this is not Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I looked at him. I said, okay. So, so then I went one more time and I finally got it. You kind of struggled to turn my face around. It was totally a natural thing to do, you know. And, uh, and the director again said, cut. And he said, Andy, Brian says, we only saw one eye. And Sean says, you saw two eyes. They just are very close together. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went to go play golf. Yeah. Because yeah. so, he had a tea time. Enough of that. Enough <laughs> of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's played in one of, one of the most iconic old school golf scenes in film history with Goldfinger. He yeah, played, you know, sure. a very important golf round with Goldfinger. He was uh, he was a joy. I, lo- I, lo- I truly love that. Did man. you play golf with him? Because I know no, you're an avid golfer. Golf with him. Never. No, never got a chance to play. Huh. How often was De Niro around that set? He came in and did his thing and, and left. So Ow. he was there maybe like a week, I think, if I remember correctly. He kind of, his work was done all yeah, together. Yeah, right. The baseball bat scene. The baseball, the, the, the courthouse, a couple scenes coming out of the courthouse. Forget what, Nothing whatever but it was. It was like a concentrated. He came in, did his thing, and left. Nothing but a lot of talk and a badge. 
Yeah, I love that. that well, you know, the beauty incredible. of that script, which if you look at it structurally, it's a throwback to the Magnificent Seven and the Seven Samurai. It's a genre that's been used, a formula, which is one guy recruits a bunch of guys to go out and, and you know, right the wrong kind of sure. thing. The Dirty Dozen, and, and, you know, but they're all really patterned after, I think, the Seven Samurai. Uh, and uh, the David Mamet script, which was a beautifully constructed narrative and storytelling was really had no holes that script you know and that's what made i think that movie aside from brian's you know in the design of the film the visually the script was so solid in its in its narrative right the odessa steps type moment yeah. with the baby carriage in the that was all right because originally station. i think it was going to be on a train somewhere and and they they had problems with that and then brian said well i want to do an homage to the odessa steps and we went into the to that court, I mean, to the uh, Chicago train station. Sure. And uh, and did that whole thing. And it kind of started evolving, you know, as it got, it got to the point where the carriage was finally with, uh, and I remember Brian called me in and said, uh, the stunt guy, he goes, what would you do? You, I want, We want you to come in here and try to save the carriage at the last minute. Mm -hmm. And, but toss one of the guns to Kevin, one of your guns, <laughs> because he's out of guns and bullets what would you do and i used to play baseball as a kid you know so i kind of looked at it and there was a marble floor and i said i did my mind i said oh it's a little hook slide into second base <laughs> under the carriage it was not a big deal you know <laughs> i've done it a million times so i said i'll do a hook slide and you know they kind of went oh, let's see it so i went and kind of i did it and caught the carriage the stuntman had the carriage like two steps mm -hmm. He kind of did it, and Brian looked at it and he said, oh, let's do that, and that's what's in the movie. Incredible. The Rich Eisen Show. So that's Andy Garcia talking about a very legendary scene. Here's Brian De Palma, our director. Figuring out how we're going to shoot all this stuff. Meanwhile, I'm thinking we've got this movie, except we've, it's, to me, it's like a some kind of sophisticated English playhouse theater. We need an American gangster actor. What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Bobby takes a long time to decide to do things. You go out to dinner with him, you talk about the script. And it took many, many weeks until he finally said, yeah, I think that we can make this work. Except the last thing Bobby said to me was, it's going to be expensive. And it was extremely expensive. Well, it's a little different with the movie stars that you've kind of discovered. The thing about Bobby is I've known him, like, what, since the mid-60s. On The Untouchables, Bobby was not learning his lines. And I just went with him to when he was putting his makeup on, and I would rehearse these lines over and over again with him until he knew them. Plus, he had to put on some weight to play Al Capone, and he had his hair shaved back. He wore the kind of silk underwear that Al Capone wore. You never saw it, but he had it on. And so that's the director of The Untouchables, Mr. Brian De Palma, talking about Robert De Niro, legendary Robert De Niro. So Andy Garcia talked about there is a scene in the film, very high intense scene, that I, I believe I can talk about. I don't think it's going to ruin it for you. we can 
looking for ah as the duo awaits the arrival of the bookkeeper at union station they see a young mother with two suitcases and a child in a carriage uh climbing the lobby steps ness ultimately decides to assist her but the gangster's guardian appear as ness and the woman reach the top of the stairs and a bloody shootout takes place Though outnumbered, Ness and Stone manage to capture Payne alive and kill all of his escorts without harm to the mother or the child. So you got to see this scene in the film, which means you've got to watch the film. It is an intense scene. Brian De Palma constructed it brilliantly. Now, Brian De Palma was known for films with a lot of blood. Think about it, Carrie. Scarface, even The Untouchables, has a lot of blood. And that's what, I mean, think, think of the films that Brian, Dressed to Kill, Scarface, The Untouchables, Mission Impossible, <laughs> Blowout, Body Double, Casualties of War, Carlito's Way, Femme Fatale. Brian De Palma is often cited as a leading member of the new Hollywood generation of film directors. His directing style often makes use of quotations from other films or cinematic styles and bears the influence of filmmakers such as Alfred Hitchcock and Jean-Luc Godard. His films have been criticized for their violence and sexual content, but have also been championed by prominent American critics such as Roger Ebert and Pauline Kael. Yeah. And so we add the Untouchables to that list. Now something happened when it came to the Untouchables. And someone went home with a very big prize on Oscar night. And his speech I will play for you because it is legendary. Here we go. Sean Connery in the Ladies and gentlemen, friends, a few enemies. Uh, I don't think there's anyone aware, or unaware rather, in Hollywood or the rest of the world tonight that this is the 60th anniversary of these Academy Awards. And I just realized myself the other day that it, my first one and only attendance was 30 years ago. Uh, Patience truly is a virtue. Um, but it, uh, in winning this award, it creates a certain dilemma because I had decided, if I'd had the good fortune to win, that I would give it to my wife, who deserves it. But this evening, I discovered backstage that they're worth $15,000. And 
Now I'm not so sure. <laughs> Sorry, I'm only kidding. It's yours. But if uh, such a thing as a wish accompanied this award, mine would be that we ended the writer's strike. And I thank you all sincerely. And that was Sean Connery winning his only Oscar in 1987 for Best Supporting Actor. And then went on to do probably my favorite Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Sean Connery died last year at the age of 90 was it 90 or 91 I think he was 90 he'd been in poor health but we all remember him as Malone in the Untouchables the dialogue the first that first scene with Kevin Costner's character you got a beef He's always going there. And he's Scottish and he's playing Irish. That's always the thing. Andy Garcia, Cuban-American, and he's playing Italian. So, yeah. It's an interesting film, isn't it? So, thank you, Brian De Palma. Thank you to the cast and crew of The Untouchables for making it a legendary film. I've seen it so many times. I don't I can't even say that I've watched Scarface. Maybe one day I will. Maybe I'll have a different opinion on it, but from what I've seen, a lot of clichés. The Untouchables. Woo! There's so much in there and more. And so this is your Sunday night episode basically. As always, unpleasant dreams. Mm-hmm.